Welcome back to G5 Football Daily, the audio accompaniment to our coverage of the Group of Five on Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Network. I'm Joe Wondergan. Good to talk to you again. Hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, wonderful Black Friday. Hope you got some good deals, all that stuff. As we uh, get into week 13, apologies for getting this one to you a little bit late with the holidays and familial obligations and all that. Took a minute to just get everything tightened up, wrapped up in a bow, as they say, in the spirit of the holiday. Uh, but I think y'all will enjoy this uh, this conversation we've got for you today. Um, the main topic is uh, the James Madison University Dukes. Huge year for them once again. Double-digit wins. Would have been in the Sun Belt title game if not for NCAA rules, which we're all aware of. However, likely going to get a bowl game anyway due to just the fact that they have the record they have and there's not going to be enough time, uh, not enough teams with a 6-6 six and six record to fill all 82 bowl spots. So great work by the Dukes to get to that point and great job by Kurt Signetti in general. Um, our guest today that we're going to have a little chat with is uh, one Jackson Hepner. Um, he's the sports editor for The Breeze, which is part of James Madison University's student media in Harrisonburg. Does a fantastic job. Um, gotten a little familiar with his work over the last couple of years and just seen him in the uh, Sunbelt media calls every week. Great kid, does a great job. Um, I think you'll enjoy his insights being a student and having had that first person account of just the FBS transition and what the reaction of the local community has been to the program success. So we get into his perspective in a couple of minutes here. But, uh, you know, just to reiterate a couple of things, uh, some housekeeping stuff. Thank you all so much for just helping the show grow the way it has the last couple of weeks and helping the site grow as well. I think this month uh, we're on pace to uh, have one of our better ones since we started this thing close to our best. We might, we might eclipse it. We might not. So go check that out. Help us, help us get over the hump. But uh, as conference championship week gets in here, hope you'll stay with us for that. And um, if you have anything that you want us to, uh, you know, really start doing deep dives into in the off season, Feel free to send us an email, g5footballdaily at gmail, and we'll get into it. Myself, uh, most likely Eric Henry, who you've heard quite a few times on here. Uh, Kevin Burrell, also part of the uh, G5 Football Daily team. And, you know, oh, we'll obviously keep tapping into our network and uh, see who else we can get on. Should be a fun time. Uh, but for now, excited to talk a little JMU football with uh, Jackson Hepner. Let's dive into that. Okay, decided to talk a little James Madison football with our next guest, Mr. Jackson Hefner. Uh, no relation to Hugh Hefner, I would assume. I think it's a different spelling. But uh, he is the sports editor of The Breeze, which is James Madison University student media. Jackson, can't thank you enough for uh, coming on and talking a little ball with us this afternoon. 
Yeah, I'm really excited to be on. You're not the first person to point out uh, the similarity between my name and Hughes. Um, I actually had a buddy of mine in high school kept nudging me to dress as him for Halloween, but you know, he never never was able to convince me. But yeah, I, I'm just really excited to be on, man. <laughs> but when I walk around in my bathrobe, it's uh, my neighbors feel the need to call the police. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah man, it's uh, it's crazy to see how much James Madison, just the school has grown in the last couple of years. So for you, just as a student real quick, what's that been like in the time that you've been at JMU? Oh, it's been, I mean, it's been absolutely nuts. I got here kind of the perfect time. Um, my freshman year was uh, 2021 to 2022. So I got to be there for the final FCS football season. And actually, I joined the Breeze as a writer in October of that year. And then a week later was about when the Sunbelt move kind of went down. And yeah, it's just from from there, it's been kind of just nonstop. You know, the media has not had a lack of stories, um, even just before all the attention this year. I mean, you had last year we had, you know, the football team started 5-0, and made it to national rankings. Um, you know, we had a couple of Sunbelt championships in volleyball, women's basketball. And then the year before that, my freshman year, you know, kind of it wasn't it didn't garner as much national attention. But, you know, the the ramifications of the Sunbelt move just immediately had a huge impact on JMU. Um, you know, our old conference, the the uh, Colonial Athletic Association, now the Coastal Athletic Association, um, they banned all sports in from the postseason. Um, you know, football had their final run to through the FCS playoffs and made it to the semifinals. But yeah, I mean, just the past three years have been the craziest roller coaster ride, and it just just keeps getting more and more exciting. So you know, it's just it's been quite quite the uh, collegiate sports career, um, you know, just covering it for for me at JMU. Yeah, you mentioned the issues with the CAA as JMU transitioned out of FCS. Obviously, it's been all over the news the last year or so with running into similar issues because of those same rules with the Sunbelt Conference and bowl eligibility and all that. But based on, you know, what we saw at College Game Day and all that, it really doesn't seem like student support, at least, has wavered at all for, for JMU football. Oh yeah, student support has actually gotten a whole heck of a lot better than it used to be. Um, we were we even ran into issues last year as an FC, FBS program in that first season. Um, you know, there was there was kind of this persistent culture of fans leaving at halftime, um, even when the game was close. I believe the you know the main sticking point was last year. Um, JMU had one sellout. Um, that was our homecoming game against Marshall, and uh, JMU lost the game, but it was pretty close throughout. And um, there are pictures of the stands in the fourth quarter, and they are deserted. There's no, there was no one in that stadium, and you know that was that was a big issue, and that was something that media really criticized a lot. Um, but this year, uh, JMU has had four sellouts. I know I've been to all of them, and I mean, pretty much even the worst ones, like you know, there was a good chunk of this, a much greater percentage of the students stayed to the whole time. And then you had last week against App State, I think, was really the culmination of that. You know, 26,000 people showing up to game day, breaking the record for that show. And then, you know, pretty much, you know, the majority of them going into the stadium for the game, watching the whole thing. You know, just the energy that was there in the fourth quarter was just it was something that we have never seen in Harrisonburg for a football game. 
So, you know, fan culture has really just turned around. And I think that, you know, just people are kind of starting to realize just how great of a football team we we have here at JMU. Looking ahead to this week when um, they close the season out here, based on what you saw in last week's uh, that overtime loss to Appalachian State, what's something that you want to see JMU tweak or, or what's something they should tweak, I guess is a better way to put it, in order to close that season out with uh, their 11th win of the year? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest problem I've kind of seen for JMU this year has really just been consistency. Um, you know, it's a, they have a, JMU has a really talented football team. They have a lot of great players. Um, Jordan McLeod, I think, is kind of a perfect, is perfect example of that. You know, you look at a guy who's uh, played college football for a long, long time, was at South Florida and then Arizona. He's, he's had some bad luck. He's had some really bad injuries, but, you know, he has talent. And he has put together some incredible performances this year, but he's also put up some, some really some not great performances. Um, you know, some really some games where he's just he's not throwing the ball consistently. He's not going through his reads. You know, he's missing guys. He's overthrowing it. That was really the problem at App State, and he said it after the game. He was pretty candid about you know I just I wasn't hitting my targets. I was missing, and that starts with me. Um, so I think the biggest thing really is just you know is is that consistency it's just you know i think on the offensive side of the ball there's so much talent there but they don't always show up and you know they've had such a strong defense and they've kind of had that clutch factor that they've they've been able to get away winning some games that maybe they shouldn't have you know you think about old dominion only beating them by three points you know blowing multiple double digit leads to utah state early in the year those those were games where i was watching it i was shocked that the dukes came out undefeated um, but and I think that just kind of that came back to bite them in the end. You know, they kind of finally got hit with that loss against App State. But, they, you know, that doesn't change how good of a team it is. It just kind of means that, you know, they they need to be on their A game and they need to, you know, play. They need to play four quarters of football against Coastal Carolina. And that's something that Signetti has been pretty honest this year that they haven't been able to do so far this season. You mentioned Jordan McLeod and, and some of his consistency issues, but you know, regardless of said consistency issues, it, it seems like his time as a Duke has been largely successful. And then you go back and look at last season when obviously they were also very successful with Todd Santeo, a quarterback. Kurt Signetti, you know, this isn't a bad thing, just seems like such a very traditional guy and very old school type of football coach. That being said, he's just done so well with transfer quarterbacks and really thrived in the age of the transfer portal. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's really interesting. I think the biggest thing about JMU is that you know they kind of have that system in place. You know, they uh you know you talk about they talk a lot about winning culture, which is a big a, you know a big factor. You know, the the winning at JMU did not start with Signetti. You know, it started way back with you know Everett Withers in 2015 for the year he was. He, he was here, and then it continued with Mike Houston. Then it continued even further with Signetti, um, and you know, so that's a. I think that's a big part of it. You know, it's a winning program, but I think also just kind of you look at the you look at the system that they have offensively, and it's just it's an offensive system that they have run for a while, and it's one that has sort of allowed for guys to kind of come in and come out. You know, Todd Santeo was not the first transfer that was able to find success. I think the biggest name is Ben DiNucci. You know, he was a he transferred from Pitt and he was able to find an incredible amount of success in the FCS level that led to sort of, you know, 
a short, sh- short-lived, but a uh, an NFL career. I mean, you know, he he started for the Cowboys under pretty crazy circumstances, but he did start, and he stuck around in the league for a good bit longer than I think a lot of FCS guys do. Um, and that I think I think right now, you know, this year you got to give a lot of credit to the quarterbacks coach uh, Tion Sanceri, um, former quarterback also at Pitt. Um, he's done a really good job. I wouldn't be surprised if his name gets floated around for any jobs elsewhere just because of how great of a job he has done with Centeno and now McLeod. But, you know, you look at that whole offense and, you know, they've always had a great offense and they've always had, they've always kind of had that, you know, system where guys, you know, older guys are able to kind of perform at the top levels while the younger guys are being trained with them. You know, right now I'm I'm writing a uh, article on, on the uh, tight end right now, uh, Zach Horton. I don't know why I was blanking on his name. I was just writing an article about him, but <laughs> I'm writing an article about Zach Horton who he, and he talked a lot about how last year, you know, he had a guy like Drew Painter and Noah Turner who were both veterans in the tight end room. They really kind of trained him up a bit. He was able to get some reps and now he's a big leader on the team. Um, you're, and you're seeing that now with uh, the two top receivers on the Dukes, uh, Reggie Brown, he, you know, he's in his final year. He's He's been a veteran of the program, and he is now kind of training up Elijah Sherratt, his redshirt sophomore, who's been having just an incredible season, some really clutch plays, you know, just all year. So, you know, you kind of – it's they have this kind of beautiful system going where, you know, older guys are stepping up, they're carrying the load, but the younger guys are kind of able to sort of learn from them and grow and – you know, they're able to kind of, when it's time for them to step up into that leadership position, they do it pretty seamlessly. On the defensive side of the ball, what Bryant Haynes has been able to do with this group has been incredibly impressive. Best rushing defense in the FBS, only allowing, I think it's like 61 or 64, somewhere in there in terms of rushing yards per game. Um, also a semifinalist for the Broyles Award coming up here. You mentioned, you know, JMU's quarterbacks coach getting looks from other schools. Do you imagine Bryant Haynes uh, will get some of those looks from, you know, other schools and particularly from maybe Power 5 schools? Uh, I think everybody on this coaching staff is going to get looks from Power 5 schools. I think definitely he's going to be a guy to look out for. Um, You know, Signetti, you know, he's already been floated for a couple of head coaching jobs elsewhere. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, uh, Brett Kunst, the uh, defensive line coach, I wouldn't say Brett, be surprised if he gets floated around. I think, you know, that's kind of the – I mean, I'm sure, you know, you cover mid-major football. You kind of understand how this works. You know, when, when you have a program like JMU who has been able to, you know, be incredibly successful and been able to kind of, you know, has been able to succeed on the level that they're at, you know, power fives, that's kind of when – that's when the poaching starts. That's when guys start to, they start to get those calls. And unfortunately, that's something that Jamie is kind of used to. Like I mentioned, Mike Houston coached here for a couple of years back when we were still an FCS program. And now he's at East Carolina. So, you know, I would not be surprised if some of the guys who are currently on the coaching staff are not on the coaching staff next year. And that 100% in my eyes includes Signetti. Now, I haven't, now, this is just, of course, me speculating. And, you know, he has been floated as a candidate for jobs, but I there's nothing concrete right now. What I'm just kind of saying is, you know, based on just based on kind of how college football works nowadays, I would not be surprised if you see, you know, Signetti, Sinceri, Haynes, um, Kuntz, if you see if you start to see their names on a couple of uh, 
you know, watch list for different positions throughout, you know, pretty much all levels. Looking forward to bowl season here, obviously, JMU, we all know their situation there. But when you look at the rest of FBS, it doesn't look like 82 teams are going to hit that bowl eligibility, you know, six win mark, which, of course, opens the door for JMU to get one of those available bids. In your mind, what's the ideal bowl scenario for JMU this year? You know, I've uh, that's been a kind of a topic of conversation. Um pretty much throughout the year uh, preseason. I think that my personal favorite outcome, which is not going to happen anymore was um, if East Carolina had gotten bowl eligible, that would have been great to see the Dukes play Mike Houston and the pirates. Um, and I think some people are saying, you know, maybe the Frisco bowl, because that was where Mike Houston and the Dukes won the national championship in 2016. But, you know, since that's out of the table, I think the best, you know, a lot of people are talking about Liberty and I think that there is a draw there. Um, you know, playing, you know, if, you know, the Flames, they're undefeated right now. JMU just got their, had their undefeated season spoiled by App State, like we talked about earlier. Um, but there is kind of that little, there's a, there's a strong desire between the two fan bases for the teams to play each other just because. I think my AirPods just died. So sorry if the audio gets a little, but, you know, like I was saying, um, there is kind of that desire from the fan bases to sort of play each other and to kind of have that you know, finally get to decide, okay, who's the best team in Virginia. Um, The other kind of scenario that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about is the fact that um, Virginia Tech might be bowl eligible if they beat the Wahoos um, next week. And, you know, Virginia Tech and JMU, they had that famous game in 2010, which I actually got to be at as a seven-year-old, you know, Hokie fan. Um, And that was sort of a big upset, but they haven't played since. And, you know, they keep pushing back the rematch. So I think it would be really entertaining to kind of see kind of just the the football gods kind of force the two together in a bowl game. I agree. That would definitely be entertaining, as with the Liberty matchup. Uh, you know, last question for you, Jackson. Looking ahead to next season, uh, obviously, there's always the possibility that some of these coaches are not going to be here. Some of these players are obviously going to graduate, chase pro opportunities, that sort of thing. What's your biggest question as it pertains to next year's JMU football team? You know, I think the biggest question for me, you know, I really think that this is a program that can do very well moving forward. I think there's a lot of really young guys on this team that are going to be coming back. I mentioned Elias Surratt, Zach Corner will be back. I believe McLeod has an extra year of eligibility. I don't think he's used, from what I've heard, I don't think he's used his, his senior, his COVID year yet. And he also wasn't, they didn't, you know, last week was senior day. They didn't call his name. So I do think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of pieces coming back. I think the biggest thing is just, you know, whether or not Signetti comes back, I think it's going to be the big, it's going to be the big question, you know, um, that I think that JMU, they've proven that they can go through coaching changes just like that, as long as they can find the right guy. But I think that's the big issue is finding the right guy. You know, if it's not Signetti, then who is it going to be? Um, I kind of imagine this kind of, Best case scenario, this is kind of like a UCF situation. You know, I think there's a lot of comparisons you can make between UCF and JMU, particularly like the UCF teams from 2017. You know, obviously they kind of were in a spot where they had Scott Frost for a year. They go undefeated and they have that, you know, national, quote unquote, national championship season. And then Scott Frost left for a power five program in Nebraska. But the next year they come back 
And, you know, they have people forget how good that 2018 team was. They lost to LSU in a bowl game, but that was an LSU team that went on to go win the national championship the next year. So, you know, that team was still really good and they had all the pieces in place. They had the, the they had that winning culture in place, kind of like I mentioned. Um, so I think best case scenario, that's what's going to happen next year. If Signetti leaves, of course, if he comes back, then we're talking, I mean, you know, this is a team that, you know, just sniffed, they were this close to perfection. And I think they're going to, they're going to have a strong desire to, you know, ch- do it again, run it back, see how close they can get to that under that coveted undefe- undefeated season. But, you know, if Signetti doesn't come back, I think the biggest thing is, you know, who is the guy, what coach could they bring in that's going to sustain the momentum, that's going to keep, you know, keep the ball rolling, keep that winning, winning culture going and, you know, really, honestly, in the most blunt way I can say it, just don't screw it up. You know, who's who's that guy? Eric's a uh, UCF alum, so he might fight you on the air quotes on that national championship there. <laughs> but uh, that's all right. Um, Jackson, before I let you go, just let people know where they can find you on social media and where they can read your stuff. Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, my let me try. Let me just look up just so I can get the channel correct. Um, so I am on Twitter at Jackson Hepner, that is um, capital J, capital H, um, just kind of all one word. Uh, now, there is an extra H in Hepner. I do not pronounce it the way it's spelled. So make sure, you know, H-E-P-H-N-E-R. Um, and of course, you can find, you can also follow at The Breeze Sports. That's where you're going to find pretty much all of our content for The Breeze. I'll also give my co-editor, Caden Bridges, a follow. She is also an excellent reporter Really love working with her. Um, that's at Caden Bridges, capital K, capital B. And then you can find, you know, we will always, we'll link our stuff on Twitter. But if you just kind of want to just read our articles, you can always go to breezejmu.org. There you're going to find our sports con- coverage as well as we cover pretty much everything JMU, local Shenandoah Valley. Um, we also do movie reviews and album reviews if that's kind of your thing. So, yeah, you're going to find a ton of content from us. You know, we're really proud of what we produce. And uh, yeah, definitely any any clicks, any reads, we greatly appreciate it. JMU Coastal Carolina, this Saturday, 3.30 p.m. on ESPN2. Jackson Hefner, thanks for your time, man. Of course. Thank you. You know, the big thing with JMU football these last couple of weeks has been the petition and threats of a lawsuit against the NCAA in terms of allowing this JMU football team uh, to get into the postseason regardless. But uh, obviously, the news this past week, however, has been that JMU's backing off of that, which, you know, I I think has warranted some dessert, which I think has, has just created some kind of deserved reactions. You know, I, I think ultimately the whole lawsuit part of this was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't something that I think Kurt Signetti himself and the people leading the football program necessarily really wanted. Um, I think they just, you know, if there's one thing that I've learned about Kurt Signetti and covering the Sun Belt, it's that he just wants to to play football and coach football and watch film. This guy is about as big of a, um, <laughs> for lack of a better term, a junkie for the game. He's described himself as a 
as as such a few times. But I mean, ball is all that guy cares about. I don't think he necessarily, I think he obviously wanted the opportunity for his guys to play in the postseason. But I think the resulting hoopla is a little more than what he wanted or, or accounted for. But I think the good news for that program moving forward is that they don't have to worry about it anymore, right? They've exited the transition period. And if he keeps doing what he's done and keeps finding these gems in the transfer portal like Todd Zenteo, like Jordan McLeod, they're going to be just as good, if not better, in the coming years. And that first Sunbelt title will uh, fall into their lap for sure. So uh, thank you again to Jackson for coming on. I recommend uh, giving him a follow, at least on social media, if you are into the Sun Belt, if you're into James Madison especially, he should, you should already be following him. But yeah, as, uh, as week 13 wraps up here, we'll find out where JMU ends up in the postseason as well as pretty much everybody else. We've still got conference championship week to get through. We are going to preview that this upcoming week on the show. So please come back for that. And then after that, the following week, we've got Army-Navy one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports. We're going to do our best to uh, dive into that as much as we can over the next two weeks. You'll see some segments here and there. I know we're hoping to have uh, we're hoping to have some some good guests on. That's all I'll say. I don't want to jinx anything because scheduling is very uh, tricky this time of year with everything that goes into the holiday uh, merriment um, and uh, just as well the figuring out the schedules of service academies during this time of the year is uh, a little bit more difficult for uh, obvious reasons. But thank you all so much for your patience. I know my my, uh, throat sounds a little scratchy and these segments are recorded after the fact, not feeling too hot, but excited to uh, wrap up the season on a high note and then dive into bowl season and then get into the draft stuff as well as uh, some coaching carousel updates. So we'll be sure to keep uh, keep the machine running for those subjects. If you want to follow uh, me on Twitter, I'm at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. And then at G5 Football Daily on uh, Instagram and TikTok. And really, if you want to just learn more about who we are, what we're doing, just Google G5 Football Daily and we will come right up. Happy holidays and happy football watching, everybody. Hope you come on back. Bye now.